Well, good morning, Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. Can we welcome all of our campuses, Brookfield Campus, Appleton Campus, Milwaukee Campus, Germantown online. Wherever you are joining us from, we are so glad that you are with us. It's amazing to me the number of people that are online uh, and the people that I get connected with occasionally. And so I have found people in different states. I got a text message this past week from someone who knows me who said, man, I talked to someone and they're watching you online and they're like, I don't know, 14 hours away. And I don't even, I don't even know. Like I haven't had, but somebody told them about something that told them about something, told them about something. So I don't know, probably I'm going to make, make some funny statement or some something. or Not that I ever do that, but um, anyhow. You guys awake today? Yeah. Good? All right. Just making sure, just making sure, making sure. So anyhow, we're, we're glad to have you and glad that you're here. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Um, the message that this weekend that I'm doing, I have never preached this text in my life. Matter of fact, I had to go back and listen to some audio just to make sure that I pronounced the names of these individuals correctly that I'll be reading today. I think it's funny to hear people from the South especially try to like do Bible names. I just think it, I've always thought it is. I just think that it's just, uh, you know, I grew up in the South. I grew up in Fort Smith, Arkansas. So if you know where, if you've seen the movie True Grit, where the railroad ends, that's my hometown. And uh, Rooster Cogburn and the Hogue Hogue clan right there. So anyhow, um, I just think it's funny. And um, so I may really butcher this. I don't think I will. Uh, I think I'll do okay. But uh, man, but I've got it. But if you saw my notes, you would see that I've got it phonetically written out, which is probably the most funny part because that's how it's the only way I can can do it because it doesn't, in English, it doesn't quite translate that way. But I'm talking about friendships. I'm talking about faithful friends. Now, there's multiple layers to this message. Um, I'm going to talk about someone who is no longer with us uh, and uh, dear, dear, dear friend to me. I'm going to talk about this because contextually it's Paul writing to Timothy. So Paul, the apostle Paul, who is now writing from a jail cell in Rome. And if you ever go to Rome, I encourage you go to the cell where they kept Paul. Uh, There won't be a lot of long lines. It's below the city streets. It's in the sewage system. Uh, You can imagine how rancid it would be, especially when it was an active sewer system and where he was chained. Um, The day that I was there, it was um, a July day. It was probably, I don't know, 80 degrees. It was a little warm. And there were like five other people there. Uh, everything else was, was packed. Any, any other fountain, any other cafe, any gelato stand, any place, but there was five people that came through in the time that we were there. And you realize it's in that cell that Paul will write what we're about to read today. You also understand that what he's writing were letters. He's writing as the senior to the junior, Timothy, Timothy is pastoring the church that Paul planted. Paul goes into a city, he plants, and then he passes it on to Timothy in this situation, or to Titus, or to another one of his protégés, and he will pass it on. We know this is a burgeoning church, like 
Uh, scholars tell us that with the, with the small group network and with everything, that we're probably at close to 100,000 believers in Ephesus alone. And so Timothy is pastoring this church. He's way in over his head. He's way in over his skis, which that's usually when God does his best work. Anytime you see a great church, it's not because the person that's leading that or pastoring that is great. It's that God just decided to put his super onto the natural and just does exceedingly and abundantly above all he could think or ask. Paul's writing to young Timothy, and this will be, as scholars will tell us, probably the last letter he will write from that cell before his life is taken as a martyr for the cause of Christ. So it's really pretty important. He's writing to him as someone who has been someone who's been faithful to him in ministry, but he's referring to a friend, a guy named Oniphorus. And Oniphorus is an individual who was there with him through thick and thin. And there's only a couple of verses here that refer to him. But Oniphorus was that as a pastor, as um, I'm not likening myself to Paul, but someone who's been in ministry now for decades of my life, there are people that come alongside you that you just don't forget. There are people that come alongside you that God brings into your life and ministry as a pastor that quite frankly, if it weren't for those people, you probably wouldn't be pastoring at that church and you may not be in ministry. For me, one of those individuals was a guy named Vince Widmeyer. I met Vince um, in the spring of 2003. I had been here all of, not even quite six months. We were in the storefront uh, and I had just had to stand before the village of Germantown board because they were going to give us an adequate amount of time to evacuate the premises because we had passed due on our conditional use permit, which was expired prior to my arrival. Had not, didn't know that. I thought, wow, this is gonna be the shortest pastorate in, in anybody's tenure. I'm gonna get here and in six months, we're done, baby. And again, my plan when I came to Germantown was if this doesn't work out, I'm moving to Boca Raton. It's still kind of the plan, but it's been 20 years, so I don't know if that's ever gonna happen. Never been to Boca Raton, just so you know that. It just sounded nice. So anyhow, and in walks in Vince Widmeyer. Now Vince Widmeyer, uh, uh, six foot four, six, I mean, just a giant of a man, just a massive stature of a guy, a gentle giant, the nicest guy in the world. And uh, he did carpeting, flooring, which we were getting ready to expand because we just got the conditional use permit and we we're gonna expand in what is now the student center at the Germantown campus. And here comes in this guy and here's the thing, I, I, I moved here because I wanted to plant a church that I didn't deal with anybody else's problems. And in dealing, and, and so anytime that someone came in, I was very much, if they came from another church, I was like, you need to make sure you go back and make sure that you, I always think that if you're going to leave someplace, if you're going to go to a new place, you need to leave there right. And even if today, if you're here and you're just saying, hey, I think this may be, I may be in a transitional season and God may be calling us to leave where we are to go. I would tell you, go to that pastor. Don't just let somebody else figure it out. Don't just, it doesn't matter how big or how small, and just let them know, communicate it. If you don't want to do it face-to-face, -face, do it in a letter. Just, we feel like it's time for us to make a transition. There's no fences in the kingdom. But I remember Vince came to me and just told me this, and I challenged him on it. I'll never forget the conversation. It was at, at, at uh, Cracker Barrel. I'll never forget what I said to him. And he assured me that God was in this, and this is what was going on. Vince would be with us for almost 10 years. May the 11th of 2012, I'd get a phone call that he had passed. He was a board member. 
Vince was one of those guys that I could say, we're going to put a campus on Mars. And Vince would go, okay, pastor, let's do this. Vince would give everything he had financially, time, talent, treasure, would do things for people that no one else knew, would sacrifice in ways that only eternity will reveal. His wife, Frida, she was my assistant uh, and, uh, and just as sweet as she could be. Uh, their daughter, Sherry, uh, worked on staff for us. And, 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 uh, and, and I, just, I just, he was one of those guys. And I, I had a conversation this past week with Eileen Guineer. And Eileen, we we're, were talking, and she said, you know, I remember when you did his funeral, and you made this statement, who's going to fill his shoes? We haven't, we haven't gotten into this building yet. I say all of that to say, when I think about Oniferous, I think about Vince Widmeyer. When I think about what Paul's writing here, this is who he's talking about. Someone who has been this faithful, faithful friend to him, to Paul, but also to the ministry. And so today as you're hearing this, I think we can look at it from the context of, for me, it's hearing it from as a pastor to, to you. So many of you are that person in my life and in Tammy's life. You do things and you're kind and you're supportive in ways that quite frankly, we will never this side of eternity ever be able to express how much we love you how grateful we are for you and how honored we are to pastor. Truly, one of the highlights of my life is getting to pastor Life Church. I am indebted beyond words and beyond measure to be able to stay on this platform and any of our campuses and be able to lead and to serve you and your families. And for all this time, the fact that you have not fired me, I am still really amazed. And my dad said amen to that. But 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16 says it this way. May the Lord show special kindness to Oniferous and all his family because he often visited and encouraged me. He was never ashamed of me because I was in chains. He came to Rome and he searched everywhere until he found me. May the Lord show him special kindness on the day of Christ's return. And you know very well how he was helpful to us in Ephesus. First of all, Paul talks in verse 16, may the Lord show special kindness to Oniferous and all of his family because he often visited. Friends are present. When you talk about this type of a friendship, friends are present. Not just on the good days, but on the bad days. Not just when you're on top, but when you're on bottom. He, he, he was there. He was physically there. He, he, he didn't just call it in. He, he didn't just, well, I thought about calling you and I thought about, no, 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 no. He showed up. Think about how Jesus did life. Jesus, G Jesus demonstrated this when he, he didn't say, hey, uh, I'm going to go change the world. I want you to get this degree. Hey, I'm going to change the world. I want you to take this class. Hey, I'm going to change the world. And he, he said, come follow me and I will make you. Presence. Presence. Listen, God gave you and I the ability to touch and to be touched. He gave us the ability to be able to, to be together. It's not good that we are alone. God addresses our aloneness before he ever addresses our sin and depravity. Look at it. It's in Genesis. Man's there. All of God's creation's there. And God looks upon Adam and says, this isn't good that he's alone. 
I need to make someone. I need to create someone that the two become one. And, and there is something that's there that we need the presence of other people. We've seen it in the last two years, the, the isolation that people have dealt with. And, and, and so, so clinics and, and prescription rates and everything from, from all of the anxieties and all the depressions and all the stuff that comes from isolation. We, we know this. You, you take a prisoner and you isolate them. You can break them more quickly that way than any other way because we're never designed to be alone. The reason why Jesus says that I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, even to the end of the world. The reason why when Jesus left physically the earth, he gave the Holy Spirit who lives and resides in our hearts, according to Revelation 3.19. And Paul is saying here, hey, friends are present. Presence counts. Do you remember the times when someone showed up at your house or someone showed up at your work or someone showed up in your life and just just to sit with you, just to be with you, just to be around. I don't have to say anything. I don't have to do anything. We don't have to talk. We don't have to converse. I just don't want you to be alone. Friends are present. That's what Oniferous was. Paul goes on to say that friends are encouraging. They're encouraging. Again, today's talk is really what, what does it mean to be a friend? And I'm going to give you these five characteristics that Paul talks about here about Oniferous. And, and again, you can say, hey, man, I want to make sure that I'm that way in my life. And I'm also going to make sure that I'm going to validate relationships based upon those things. And then there's also the other layer about the work of the ministry that we do, how valuable you are, how valuable Oniferous was to Paul and to the ministry. Verse 16, he says, may the Lord show him special kindness to Oniferous and all of his family because he often visited me and he encouraged me. Again, this writing of this letter of 2 Timothy is, is Paul's last letter before he dies. Paul's at his lowest. And God didn't send Paul money or new clothes or good food, but he sent him a friend. Interesting. Interesting. In moments when you're low, in moments when you're discouraged, in moments when everything is kind of coming to a close, it's in those moments that you want your friends, people, people that know you and still love you. That's the truth of the matter is we all really desire to be fully known and fully loved. And there's very few people, I don't know if there's really, quite frankly, anybody that we fully are transparent with. Because what if they know this? What if they know that? But occasionally in life, God gives you friendships and relationships that in your lowest, they're there to encourage you. I, I've talked to, to buddies that have gone through, that have been pastors, that have gone through uh, moral failures that have cost them their jobs, cost them their livelihoods, cost them their whatever, and, and understandably so. Because what you do in ministry is very public. And people love to exalt people and then bring somebody down. It's just it's the mob mentality. It's, it, it doesn't matter who it is. Jesus comes in, and it's Palm Sunday. Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. And five days later, crucify him, crucify him, and who should I release 
give us Barabbas, which was just a rapist, murderer, thief from among them. It's people. It's the mob. It's the whatever. And when I talk to these individuals, friends, they'll say in those moments, it's the people that were just there that showed me kindness when no one else did. When everybody else crucified me. I don't forget. I was 23. It was February of 1995. I had been married all of about 10 days. Tammy and I had gone on our honeymoon to Phoenix, Flagstaff, to Arizona, that kind of a deal. And uh, the very next week, the church staff I was on, there was a conference at First Assembly of God in Phoenix, Arizona, Pastor Tommy Barnett. We're sitting there in a room, and this, if you've ever been to that room, I mean, it seats, I don't know, seven, 8,000 people, and there's two balconies. It's massive, and it was packed. And this young kid comes up, and he's kind of my, he's close to my age, and he starts telling his story. And I kept thinking to myself, I know him, I know him, I know him, I have seen him, I know him. I told Tammy, I know him, and she's always like, yeah, you say you know everybody. But ask her. I see some of the craziest people. Like, we're in line going, and we're flying. I said, that's Renee Zellwinger. I'm telling you, she's two people in front of us. You're full of it. I'm telling you, that's Renee Zellwinger. I'm telling you. Show me the money, Jerry. I'm telling you, it's Renee Zellwinger. And uh, I was right. I'm just, it just happens. I'm like, that's Newt Gingrich. He just walked into the restaurant, or that's so-and-so. I just, I see these. I'm sitting here, I'm going, I know this person. I don't know how I know this person. And the kid starts crying, and Pastor Barnett walks out on that massive stage. This is one of the reasons why he's one of my heroes. And he puts his arm around him. I'll never forget it. And he looks at the audience. He said, I think it's time that we tell you who his dad is. And uh, no one knows this. Media doesn't know this. No one knew where this guy was. And he said, I want, I want to bring out Jim Baker. Jim Baker had just been released from prison in Charlotte. They flew him private to get him to Phoenix. And Jim Baker walks onto that stage. Now, in my world, no one touched Jim Baker. No one wanted to be affiliated with him. No one wanted to have anything to do with him. He was like, Persona non grata. I mean, you just didn't. And all of a sudden, here's Tommy Barnett, pastor of one of the largest churches in the country, and has Baker's son and has Jim Baker in his arms around them. And I looked at Tammy and I said, I'm telling you, if God ever gives me a platform anywhere near that size, that's what I want to spend my life doing. Because you don't forget friends, people that are there with you at your lowest, that encourage you in that moment. Third statement is that friends don't place shame. They don't place shame. Friends don't place shame. Look at 2 Timothy 1.16. And he, talking about Oniferous, was never ashamed of me because I was in chains. Paul is in a prison. Paul is below the city streets of Rome. Paul is awaiting his trial and his ultimate death. And when Paul was a free man, there were perks to being Paul's friend. He knew 
everybody because he was a Roman citizen and he was a Jew. He, he, had, he had citizenship in Israel and in Rome. He was a power broker. He was, he was a guy that would go to Mars Hill, which is where all of the philosophers of the day would debate their ideologies and their philosophies. He, he could run with the runners and lead with the leaders and swim with the swimmers. I mean, he was, the, he was a man's man. He was a leader's leader. He was a CEO of CEOs. I mean, he was all of that. But now he had lost everything. And he's in prison. And he was abandoned. If you go back to, if you go to verse 15, right before this, before Paul talks about Oniphorus, he says this, and as you know, everyone from the province of Asia has deserted me, even if Agilius and Hermogenes. You read Paul's writing, this person left me, this person left me, this person left me. I'm in the province of Asia. Asia was pretty big back then. It's still pretty big today. I mean, it's a pretty big area of the world. They've all deserted me. Why? Because they were like, well, see, I, I knew he really wouldn't do it. I, I knew he really wasn't worth it. I, I mean, there must, be some more, there must be more to the story. That's why he's in chains. I mean, Rome wouldn't do that to him. I mean, you know, they, they, they didn't even try to kill Jesus. It was only because the Jews went this direction. They're, they're just, he's a troublemaker. He's just bombastic. If he would have just been more like Barnabas, if he would just been a little bit more calm, he'd just been a little bit more. But no, he's got to be out there on the edge, and he gets shipwrecked, and he does this, and he does that, and he's just right there on the bleeding edge, and that's just kind of what he gets. And so people are leaving him. And can I just tell you that in life, you're going to have the Vigiliuses and the Hermogenes that are going to leave you. Can I just tell you, pastoring, the number of Vigiliuses and Hermogenes that have left me over 20 years, I could give you a list. There's not a whole lot of Onifrases, and I remember them. There's not a lot of Vince Widmeyers that go, Pastor, whatever you want to do, we're going to go do it. You want to raise a million bucks for missions, we're going to do it. You want to put a campus there, we're going to do it. You want to build that building, we're going to do it. I'll never forget sitting there in a meeting with the architects when we were trying to build the, build the facility in Germantown. And, and, and we had a budget of so much, I think it was $8 million for phase one. And they came back with $12 million, And we're sitting there with the guys that own the firm. And I never forget Vince looking and saying, my pastor has told you this is our budget. And this is what we need. And you're either going to deliver it to him or we will find someone in this city that will. The question is, do you want to be paid? That's the question. And they looked at me and I went, Yep. This building that I'm standing in right now is here because of a guy named Vince Widmire who just said, we're going to do this. Come hell or high water, we're going to do this. Oh, I'm telling you, I've had people, I've had critics, any pastor has. This isn't just me, who's this will never happen and this won't work and he's too this and he's too that and he's too tall and he's too short and he's too southern and he's not northern enough and he doesn't wear socks, bless God, and he dresses up too much and not enough. And uh, You've got all kinds of people. And just remember in life, you're going to have your, your fagiliuses. You're going to have your homogenies. You're going to have these people that are going to turn on you. People that are Christ followers. People that are Christians. People that have been a part of the journey for a while. And they will criticize. But just understand this. When you're doing what God's called you to do, when you're doing what God is, has placed you to do, even if you are in chains doing it, and everybody else has deserted you, God hasn't. Thank God for Oniphorus, who was never ashamed. That's the kind of friend I want to be. I'm with you, bro. I'm with you. I'm with you. 
Everybody's applauding you, I'm with you. Everybody's left you, I'm with you. I want to be Tommy Barnett who stands on the stage and says, I mean, Jim Baker from Saturday Night Live to the New York Times to every comic in the country. Playboy to Sam Kennison to every nightclub and in, 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 in every stand-up comic from L.A. to Vegas. Ripped him. And there stands Tommy Barnett going, we're going to love this man. Proverbs 17, 17 says a friend loves at all times. Love people who have not the ability to do anything for you. When was the last time you did that? You love people when they least deserve it and they least expect it, and you will change their life. You sit with people in their misery and in their pain without judgment and without shame. Because here's the deal is they know. <laughs> this is one thing I've learned about pastoring. You know what your sin is. You don't need me to have a big graph up here. You don't need me to have a big deal on the, okay, I'm going to list all the sins. These are all the things that we can't do. This is all the stuff that you did and you did. Nobody needs that because you know you. What you need to know is, is there grace? Is there undeserved, unmerited favor? Is there mercy? When God goes, I should do this. This is what the consequence should be, but I'm going to lift this. Fourth, friends don't give up. Friends don't give up. Verse 17 says, and when he, talking to Oniphorus, came to Rome, he searched everywhere until he found me. He searched everywhere until he found me. Again, you go to Rome and you look for this place where Paul was. You'll understand that it's obscure. I understand it's a little different today than what it was then. But in Roman society, even to be associated with someone who was in prison, jeopardized you, your business, whatever your dealings were. It brought you under suspect because basically to be imprisoned in Rome meant that you had done something very egregious or you were an enemy of the state or maybe both. And all of a the sudden, they looked at you with much suspect. But Oniferous, it doesn't deter him. Why? Paul's my friend. Paul is my co-laborer in the ministry. Oh, no, I won't desert him. I, 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 I don't care why he's there. I don't care what's, I'm going to love him. I'm going to stand in there. I'm going to be in there. See, we don't give up on others. Why? Because God's never given up on us. Friends don't give up. The number one thing I tell young men and women that are wanting to go into ministry, Galatians 6, 9, and 10, don't become weary and well-doing for in due season. It may take you 20 years to become an overnight success. I'm on the eve of 20 years in Milwaukee. I'm just expecting overnight success in the next six months. It's taken me 20 years to get here, but I think it's going to happen. It, it doesn't matter. Man, don't quit. In due season, if you don't quit, you'll have your reward. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit your relationship with Jesus. Don't quit going to church. 
Listen, if you're here today and you go, man, I just don't like you, then let me help you find a church that you'll like. That's okay. There's no fences in the kingdom. I don't mean this arrogantly. I really don't. I love Life Church, and I want everybody to be here, and I cannot imagine going anywhere else. I've raised my kids here. One day, should the Lord tarry, we'll raise our grandkids here. And, I mean, I, this, is, this is where we do life. This is what we do. But, if, but I also know this isn't for everybody. And if it's not for you, I need you to move on because you're taking the seat for somebody who it is for. Woo, don't shut me down when I'm preaching good. I'm just saying, like, but, 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 but the deal is, man... Don't quit, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. Don't be like Hermogenes. Don't be like Vigilius when things get rough and when this doesn't happen and that doesn't happen. I'm just going to go from this church to that church or this church to that church. Work out your difference. Figure out what it is that you got with your, with your brother before you ever come to the altar. Ooh, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Talk to the pastor. Work it out. Do what you need to do. And if you can't find resolve, then okay, at least you've brought it there. You, you peacefully part ways the way Paul does with Barnabas and you go one way and they go another way and neither and two both people can have a difference of opinion and both be right in the kingdom. Did you know that? Man, I'm preaching so much better than you're shouting today. All right. I'm almost out of time. Friends are helpful. Verse five, excuse me, number five, friends are helpful. Second Timothy 1.18. And may the Lord show him, this is Paul, special kindness on the day of Christ's return. And you know very well how helpful he was in Ephesus. Again, Paul's writing to Timothy. Now, I did some study on this. What did Oniferous do? Because sometimes there are, there's some scholarship, there's some historical documentation, there's some extra books that were not canonized in Scripture, but it could have been tradition, folklore, it would have, would have been known. This is what would have happened. I, I, we, I can't find anything on when you go into that word helpful. I, I know what that means, but, I, but it doesn't tell me exactly what he did. What we do know is that it was substantial enough that when Paul and Timothy are in Ephesus planting this church, that Oniferous steps out in such a way that he does more than what the average person does. He does something in such a way that makes him step head and tails above the rest, that he does something that just kind of goes above, above and beyond, that, that both Paul and Timothy partook of. Paul and Timothy benefited from. Paul and Timothy and the church in Ephesus is there because of the helpfulness of Oniferous. Maybe he provided them a place to stay. Maybe he gave them, gave, gave them food. Maybe he helped them rent the first facility. Maybe he, like Vince Widmeyer, carpeted that what was now, what is now the student center, which was the auditorium. So funny. A week before Vince comes into church, Gary Pribinich, who was one of the board members who became a staff member, Gary came, comes in and says, hey, the deal that we had on the carpet, man, it's fallen through. And these guys are just, uh, they're nowhere to be found. They won't return phone calls. That I don't know what we're going to do. I said, I don't know either. Let's just pray. God's in this. But hell's going to fight us. It's been fighting this the whole time. It's going to keep fighting this. It just is what it's going to be. Next Sunday, here comes, and again, to see Vince Widmeyer. When he walks in the room, you know who he is. Well, this guy does flooring. You think that's a joke? You think that's just, just happened? Well, that's just coincidence. No, it's not. It's the Lord's like, hey, I got this. My philosophy's always been this. If one, if one person leaves, I bless them on the way out because two people are going to come in. It's just how it's going to be, man. 
Because it's not my church, it's his church. And so, so when that happens, it's like, okay, God's got this. And he comes in, and, and I'll never forget it. He comes in and he says, oh, I got this. I can do this. I'll do this. Did it for way less than, because we had, a, I mean, we had 23,000 bucks in the bank is all we had. We sat down as a board and we said, we're going to spend every dime that we have. We had everybody showing up, helping. I don't even know how we did it for $23,000. Right? I don't even think you could buy drapes today for $23,000. I don't even know. But, I mean, we, we carpeted that space. We painted that space. We, we built a little stage in that space. Uh, Monroe Mulder built a stage in that space. And we did all of that. And, and we, 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 we got some, some things and cobbled some stuff together for a little cafe and bought some tables and some chairs. And, and we, we did it. But it was a guy like Vince Oniferous that came in and was helpful. We wouldn't be where we are without Benny Woodmire. We don't know what help was, but we know that both Paul and Timothy experienced it. And I'm just going to tell you, I remember helpful people in the early days of Life Church. I remember, I, I don't even want to start because I, I can't stop. But I'll never forget people, you showing up in kind and very simple ways doing things. For me, for my kids, for our family. Just little things for the church. I remember one year, we had spent everything we had. Man, we were trying to reach people and grow. And uh, we were going to wind up in the red. And the business guy in the church found out about it. I mean, we're probably 120, 140 people. And he said, you know, I just feel like I'm supposed to just pay my tithe, bring my tithe for next year by the end of the year. It saved our bacon. Never had a year like that since, but I remember that year. There's just times where people do things that no one else knows. Only eternity will reveal. That's when I say there's two seats in every church. There's a thank you seat and a you're welcome seat. There's been men and women that have done things to provide for us to have what we have. Only eternity reveals. And we're just getting started. But you remember those. See, because sometimes you should be the answer to prayer. Sometimes you don't even need to pray. You have the ability. The Bible says if you have the ability to help your brother and you withhold it, it's wrong. Help them. Why? Why? Because who's your source? Is it you? No, if it's you, you've got to replenish it. But if it's the Lord, the Lord will refill your hand. And many times God just wants to see, are we willing to step out and are we willing to trust? And, and I'm just telling you, in, in ministry, you just see these things happening. And again, I'm not setting you up for a big offering or a small offering <laughs> or any offering today. I just think that we should sometimes think, who are the oniferuses that God has brought into our lives? This week, I would encourage you, reach out to them. Text, email, Facebook, card, letter. And just tell them, thank you. 
Thank you for showing up at this time in my life. Maybe you know, maybe you don't know. Thank you for just being a friend that's never been ashamed of me. Thank you for just being someone that's walked alongside me. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for just being you. I'd encourage you also to take a moment just to think about, hey, who are the people that you are an oniferous to? God's brought you into relationship with people so you can help be a conduit. Not everybody in your world is there for your benefit. Woo, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. We all know people that are just, they're just takers and takers. And if you're talking about what they're doing and talking about what they want to do, that's it. It's all about them. But, but, but what about the people that just, you're the person to be the blessing. They have no ability to benefit you. They have no ability to promote you. They have no ability to, to promote whatever your product or your job or whatever. They, they have not the ability this side of eternity to help you. But God's brought you because he wants you to be the benefit in their life. Man, I've been treated that way. I'll never forget, again, another guy that's gone on to be with the Lord, Randy Valamont. We're a couple hundred people. I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing and Randy invited me and just said, hey, I want you to come with me to this conference. Just come and hang out with me. Sure, no problem, no problem, no problem. So just, where is it, Orlando? It was like February, Orlando's great, I'm, I'm available. I get there, he picks me up at the airport. And then I'm, I'm VIP, I, I'm pastoring 175 people. Aaron, I, I want you to meet John Maxwell. Aaron, I want you to meet uh, Brian Houston. Aaron, I want you to meet Jensen Franklin. Aaron, I want you to meet, do you, do you, do you know, um, um, uh, Franklin Graham, uh, Aaron, I want you to meet, Aaron, I'd like for you to meet, Aaron, I, Aaron, this is where we're going to be sitting right here. And I just remember going, oh my goodness, here I am. And he looked at me, and I'll never forget this, I can take, take, take you exactly where I was when he said this to me, he goes, I don't need anything from you, but there will come a day you'll be able to do this for someone else, and when that happens, I just want you to do that. I'm the benefactor of people doing this for me opening doors. I want to do that for you. Yes, sir. Who are you to be that to? We all need friends. No man is an island. No woman is an island. And if anything, the last two years has taught us we need each other. We all need an oniferous in our life. Father, I just thank you today for your word. And I thank you for how it challenges us. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to be friendly. But more than just be friendly and being kind, to develop relationship whereby we, um, we grow deep, that we stand with people in their dark hours, that we stand with people when everybody else deserts them, that we, that we benefit people when there is nothing in it for us this side of eternity, when we just, we just be who you are to us, gracious and kind and loving and faithful and forgiving, even when we're not. That's really what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Thank you, God, for those people that you've brought into my life that I'm a benefactor of today. And help me never to forget that and help me to live life that way. Challenge us today, Lord, 
in this area. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.